It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Generally speaking, you wouldn't expect to find us here on the murder sheet covering a civil lawsuit. But this one that came out recently is a little bit different. We're, of course, referring to former Chief Deputy Mike Thomas's lawsuit against Carroll County, specifically the Sheriff's Department up there. Uh, listeners to our show will know that we interviewed Mike back in February about his um, race uh, against Tony Liggett for the Carroll County Sheriff's uh, position. And he uh, he lost that race He in the primaries, the Republican primaries. Uh, the lo- the race is currently still up for grabs, though, because a independent candidate named Mark Pinker has thrown his hat in the race. So it's we're about a 
we're a few days away from the election, essentially. But Mike Thomas uh, hasn't had his last say yet. He's filed this lawsuit in which he is alleging some improper acts committed against him during the course of the election. And he specifically mentioned some things related to the Delphi case. And we are going to read you some excerpts from that, uh, try to give you some context, and try to uh, give you a general idea what it all might mean. My name is Anya Kane. I'm a journalist. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. I'm an attorney. We first connected while looking into the Burger Chef murders, an Indiana cold case. Together, we built a spreadsheet documenting hundreds of cases of restaurant-related homicides. That original spreadsheet gave way to our podcast, The Murder Sheet. Now we maintain that same research-centric, investigative approach as we look into all sorts of homicides including unsolved cases, historical crimes, and, of course, restaurant murders. We don't just chat about the headlines. Our podcast is a platform for our journalism. The Murder Sheet focuses on investigative reporting, thoughtful analysis, thorough research, and in-depth interviews. We're The Murder Sheet, and this is... The Delphi Murders. Mike Thomas's lawsuit against Carroll County. We always enjoy starting out by looking at the primary sources themselves. Uh, we have here a copy of the Mike Thomas lawsuit. It's seven pages long. I don't think we need to read all of it. No, I want to. I want to stress this. I believe only one section really refers to Delphi directly. Mostly, this is a workplace hostile work environment type uh, employment lawsuit. So the reference to Delphi is relatively minimal, but certainly has made quite a stir online already. It's it's spreading around. People are talking about it. People are talking about what does this mean for the case. And that's understandable because it was essentially directly referenced in, in this lawsuit. Basically, the lawsuit begins with Mike Thomas explaining who he is, that he is the that he was at uh, one time the chief deputy of the Carroll County Sheriff's Department, serving directly under Tobe Lesenby. Uh, he says he was appointed to that position in 2015, after Tobe Lesenby first won uh, the election. He talks about, uh, this is paragraph 11, 
At some point after the 2018 general election, Lesenby approached Thomas and stated that he had heard that another CCSO officer was going to run for sheriff of Carroll County in the 2022 primary election. And if that officer was elected, that officer had promised Lesenby that he would be appointed chief deputy at that time. Paragraph 12. Thomas subsequently elected to run for sheriff of Carroll County in the 2022 primary election. Lesenby was not eligible for re-election due to term limits, but gave indications that he favored another candidate, Tony Liggett, here and after Liggett, over Thomas. Upon Thomas's information and belief, Liggett is the officer referred to in paragraph 11 of this complaint, who promised Lesenby that he would be appointed chief deputy if he was elected. Paragraph 13, and this is the paragraph that people are paying a lot of attention to. Paragraph 13. Upon Thomas's information and belief, Lesenby and others in the CCSO did not approve of Thomas running for office, in part because Thomas had made suggestions and offered assistance in the investigation of a high-profile child homicide investigation, which were overruled, and which Lesenby and others in the CCSO feared would become publicized as a result of the campaign and or Thomas's potential election. Yeah, so that is the reference to Delphi in this case. And then it goes on to indicate that he believes that the sheriff's department and some of the deputies in the apartment uh, essentially engaged in workplace bullying against him because he ran for sheriff against the favored candidate Liggett. He says he was treated unfairly. There were uh, pictures posted in the workplace of other officers wearing clothing that indicated they supported Liggett. Uh, he claims he was removed from some high-profile criminal investigations and that there were uh, negative and degrading comments about him on a chat, an internal computer chat board. Right. And this is at least partially according to Thomas because he had some ideas about how the investigation of Delphi should go that Lesenby did not approve of and that if this information got out, Lesenby feared he would be somehow damaged by it. Yeah, and and certainly by the, the whole sheriff's race seems like it was an inciting factor because, of course, the Delphi murders occurred back in 2017, at which point... Thomas was chief deputy, a, a position he retained until, I believe, three days after the election. So, after the, the primary election, after the primary election, so you you can imagine that the primary election seems to be the inciting factor in this. You mean in terms of filing this suit? In terms of filing this suit, because otherwise, if this was, if 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 Delphi had set this off, then something would have happened. I believe in you know a little bit earlier. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. If you go back and listen to the interview we did uh, this spring with Mike Thomas, we interviewed him prior to the primary, he told us he didn't really have much involvement in the Delphi case. He did allude to disagreements with the sheriff, that there was some sort of, um, I think, impasse, perhaps, but it did not... We did ask him, I believe, specifically what he was referring to, and he did talk about throughout that interview experts bringing in experts i 
it was pretty vague, to be honest. I don't really know what, you know, looking back on it seemed like a pretty reasonable suggestion at the time. Looking back on it now, was that alluding to, did he have someone specific in mind? This, these are things I would be curious to know from him. We don't know. Uh, we do know that apparently he says that he asked to bring in outside experts as a result of a conversation he had within Carroll County prosecutor Robert Ives. We reached out to Ives to get his comment on this, and here's what he said. Uh, basically, we were wondering if you had any insights you could share on this lawsuit that Mike Thomas has filed. The only reason I know about it is because Ruth Gordon from Indianapolis from Channel 4, I believe, called me about it a little while ago. Um, the only thing I can tell you is I, I don't recall telling Mike Thomas to go talk to the sheriff, but there's no question we had a conversation about uh, possible expertise needed for the case. That happened. Right. And I think the world of Mike Thomas. Do you do you remember any specific people that you were thinking about bringing into the case, like outside experts? Who- no, no, I can't comment on that. Okay, no worries. And okay, is is it okay if we use those comments from you in our podcast? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Right, thanks. Okay, See bye. Ya. Bye. So, so Ives confirms, at least in part, what what Mike Thomas was saying that there was some discussion around outside experts. He doesn't remember the specifics either, necessarily, or he he doesn't remember the specifics of who they were talking about or, I mean, because it's like, are they talking about bringing in some sort of well-known figure or are they talking about bringing in, you know, some sort of training, uh, a person who can train the department or is this maybe just kind of a type of person like a homicide detective from a big city? I don't know. I'd be very interested to, to learn about that. And I would be very interested to learn also if Tobe Lesenby or anyone else gave any indication that the release of this information would somehow be greatly damaging to them. I think Tobe Lesenby, who we've never spoken to, he's been fairly open about mistakes he made early on in the case, including uh, at one point some dogs were called in to help in the search And then after the bodies were discovered, he sent the dogs home. And afterwards, he realized, you know, maybe we should have kept those dogs and they could have helped us find more evidence. So he certainly acknowledged errors. Yeah. And I'll say this. I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit about in in a previous records request, we received information that Barbara McDonald, the HLN reporter, had pitched Paul Holes. The, uh, the detective associated sort of with the Golden State Killer case and using genetic genealogy to solve crimes, you know, to the ISP as somebody who, an outside person who could come in and help. And she was basically told, you know, we've pretty much, we don't think he can do anything that we haven't already tried. So that, that got a decline too. So I wonder, I just wonder, yeah, who he was who he was pitching or what exactly his plan would have been. Yeah, what exactly would he have done? And were the experts he proposed to bring in, would they have some sort of expertise that was not available in other experts that law enforcement was using at the time? As we recall, pretty early on in the case, both the United State Police and the FBI got involved in the investigation. 
And both the Indiana State Police and the FBI certainly have a large number of experts. So if I if I recall from our interview with with Mike Thomas, he indicated this initial disagreement with the sheriff happening early on, uh, you know, towards the start of the case. And then uh, Tony Liggett became the lead investigator on the case for Carroll County and that he he didn't I didn't necessarily use this word, but he was sort of sidelined in it and was not working on the Delphi case before, you know, after that, essentially. And what I would be curious about, <clears throat> what I would, what I would be curious about is um, why bring it up in this workplace lawsuit if he hasn't worked on it since 2017. And I, I'd be very curious. I would love to talk to him and sort of get his answer on that of, about if, if it's kind of like you have that limited experience with the case, how do you know that outside experts haven't been consulted? We all know that the Georgia Bureau of Investigation was brought in at one point on the invitation, I believe, of the Indiana State Police. So do we do we know for a fact that outside people haven't been consulted? Was it not the type of outside people that Mike Thomas was proposing? Perhaps that's the issue? Or I... I yeah, the, the inclusion of Delphi in this case, to be honest, baffles me a little bit. Um, certainly, we can look at the workplace harassment things and say that should be seriously investigated because that's not a professional or good workplace if people are being harassed or feeling that they're getting their benefits or, you know, the, the, the work that they've done is being thrown out just because they want to enter a race that they're allowed to do so. You know, I think I think we can all agree that that that's certainly concerning. I guess what I am confused about is why is Delphi in this at all? I think that's an excellent question. Another question I have is an outsider is what about the timing of this case? This case is being filed very, very shortly before an election. Is it, uh, does it represent some sort of a, an attempt to influence the election? Certainly, if you look at Mike Thomas's public Facebook page, he's made no secret that he is supporting the, the independent candidate, Mark Pinkert, over Tony Liggett. Liggett is the person who defeated Mr. Thomas in the primary. Also, when we talk about timing, one thing that is possibly relevant and we'll be discussing this a little bit more in the second half of this episode so i'll just allude to it briefly here is that in recent days uh a letter was released clearing tony liggett of any alleged hatch act violations so were they waiting to see what would happen with that and then oh liggett got cleared of, of that so let's try something else is that timing just coincidental Right. And when you say they, that's a hypothetical they of a group that we've sort of observed, you know, kind of come together within the Delphi case. You know, there's a lot of communities, Facebook groups, what have you, that have risen up around the Delphi case. And, you know, some have sort of different focuses and maybe some favor one suspect or another or, you know, kind of are around one creator versus another creator. And 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 one kind of angle that you can kind of see forming here is kind of a, uh, has a number of angles to it, I guess. Uh, one is that Ron Logan is the suspect, uh, that he's the guilty party, but that two, um, basically, 
prosecution of Ron Logan was hindered by either some sort of malfeasance going on in Carroll County. You know, it kind of gets into a conspiratorial angle, I would say. Um, That's not to say that everybody who has suspicions about Ron Logan falls into that camp. I think a lot of people are looking at him and saying, He's a, you know, he owns the property on which the girls were found and he has a, you know, very troubling history of violence. So look into him. And I think that's reasonable. And that's why the FBI did look into him in March of 2017. What we're specifically talking about is more of a a movement around, you know, blaming perhaps the fact that Ron Logan has not been a focus of late on the allegation that uh, Carroll County is is somehow corrupt in some way. Uh, and, and this is mostly spouted seemingly by people who do not live in Carroll County and uh, don't necessarily have uh, the strongest connections there. So that's interesting and make of that what you will. But um, yeah, another lawsuit came out of that group not so long ago. And we will be talking about that in just a few minutes. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle, but it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Row Body Program. Here's how it works. Row gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Row Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's roe.co slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So Anya was alluding a moment ago to another lawsuit. 
let's go back to uh, to this current lawsuit. We reached out to Tony Liggett for comments about this lawsuit. He did not respond to our request for comment. He did, however, make a Facebook post last night. And I'm going to read it to you now. This is Tony Liggett. Here we go again. Lawsuit number one failed. Criminal complaint failed. Federal complaint of Hatch Act violations failed. What's next? Yet another baseless lawsuit to cost the taxpayers more money. They would deploy any political tactic they can to bring negativity on me. When that fails, they attack the Carroll County and the Carroll County Sheriff's Office. It's unfortunate that they continue to bring false accusations in the final hours of their campaign. It blatantly reveals their true character. And again, those are the words of Tony Liggett, who is currently the Republican nominee for Sheriff of Carroll County. So in Tony Liggett's mind, this current lawsuit seems to be linked to an earlier lawsuit. Uh, So let's talk about that earlier lawsuit. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of this lawsuit, we should mention that it was brought by a woman named Sue Wright and another woman named Angela Sladowski. Now, it is very important for us to be transparent. That's a, that's a, a value we really put a lot of importance on. So we want to make it absolutely clear here at the beginning that we have had a bit of history with Ms. Sladowski. Last spring, she posted a number of very critical comments about us on social media sites. Things escalated from there. A person in email communication with Ms. Sladowski posted screenshots of their correspondence on Reddit. In these emails, Ms. Sladowski made clear She was interested in soliciting negative personal information about Anya for the purpose of sharing that information with HLN reporter Barbara McDonald. And Ms. Ladowski did not seem to have particularly rigorous standards when it came to determining whether or not that information was actually accurate. So this experience frankly colored our views of Ms. Sladowski. Now, the other person who filed this was a woman named Sue Wright. We actually reached out to Ms. Wright today, and I'm going to, I reached out to her on Facebook. I wrote to her. My, you got, and you got back an interesting response. I wrote, my name is Kevin Greenley. I co-host the Murder Sheet podcast. We are preparing an episode on the Thomas lawsuit. Mr. Liggett suggested it was linked to the suit you filed. Would it be possible for us to discuss that suit with you so our coverage will be complete? Uh, Ms. Wright wrote back, no, and do not contact Mike Thomas. I wrote back, why not? And to date, Ms. Wright has not responded. There has also been some recent paperwork indicating that Ms. Ladowski and Ms. Wright are currently being represented by an attorney in this lawsuit. We reached out to that attorney and have not heard back. So let's get to the meat of this lawsuit filed by Ms. Wright and Ms. Sladowski. There is a federal law called the Hatch Act, 
which regulates how government employees can and cannot behave related to political activities. Uh, Ms. Wright and Ms. Ladowski filed suit against the Carroll County Board of Elections saying basically that Tony Liggett and the Sheriff's Department violated the Hatch Act. So there were a few issues there. First of all, Ms. Wright and Ms. Sladowski do not live in Carroll County. It's unclear, frankly, where they do live. Because in this lawsuit, as you may or may not know, when you file a lawsuit, you have to give the court your address. And this is for the purpose that you can receive mailed notifications of different things that happen in your suit. Ms. Wright and Ms. Sladowski provided the court with an address in Michigan. However, things sent to that address uh, got returned as undeliverable. So it's not clear where they do live, but they certainly do not live in Carroll County. And so basically the problem is it would be like if Anya and I read a newspaper article about two people getting into a fist fight in California and we decide that one of them threw a bad punch and what we decide to sue him because of that. The problem is we don't have any connection with those two people in California. Those two people don't owe us any duties. We were not harmed by anything those two people did. Yeah, it's kind of like the voyeurism of this case boiled down to a single lawsuit, essentially, of, of you know, we're going to, you know, we're not Carroll County citizens, but we are, <laughs> we're going to uncover the whole thing. Well, basically, you can only file a suit against someone, a civil suit, if that person did something that wronged you personally, or if that person owed you a specific duty, which they failed to perform. So since these women did not live in Carroll County, the Carroll County Election Board did not owe them any duties, and they were not harmed by anything the Carroll County Election Board did or did not do. They didn't really have a right to file this lawsuit. Does that make sense? Yeah. If they sin- like, Let's just play devil's advocate here for a minute. If they really sincerely felt like there had been a Hatch Act violation and they're concerned outsiders who care deeply about Carroll County and the well-being of its citizens and voters... Uh, is there a way that they could have handled this in a way that would have been uh, more legally astute? Uh, yeah. I'm trying I'm trying to be as even-handed as possible, but <laughs> to be blunt, this was a very poorly thought-out lawsuit. If you and I decided to file a suit against two people having a fist fight in California, I think the first thing we would do would be to try to find someone who was affected by that fight. So in other words, if they thought there was something wrong done in Carroll County, Indiana, an easy thing they could have done was to find someone in Carroll County, Indiana, who agreed with them and have them file the suit. So find a a Carroll County puppet that they could act through, essentially. Yeah, that's kind of a blunt way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. well, I I feel like being blunt today. (laughs) Oh, we're in for it. Yeah. So so not only so you, there was actually a pretty simple workaround but I guess that wasn't something that either came to mind or they weren't able to actually get anyone to agree with them on the ground in Carroll County. I don't know which one is worse. But what happened was uh the court found no they didn't have the right to file this suit and the Carroll County uh, Carroll County also then filed a memorandum saying you know, look, they didn't even give us the right address to mail court things to. This shows bad faith. 
and the court agreed with that. And they said, so they don't have a right to sue. They sued in bad faith. We're going to throw it out, and we're going to make Miss Wright and Miss Ladowski pay all of the attorney fees. Because what happened was Carroll County had to go out and spend money to hire lawyers to defend this claim. This is not a wealthy county. This is not a rich county. So it, it actually means something when you're doing this in a county that, you know, probably could be spending those resources elsewhere. Yes. And frankly, even if it was a rich county, even if uh, a listener out there has a pretty fat bank account, it's not fun to have to spend a chunk of your money on something stupid to be blunt. You also it's interesting. You have a situation where, I mean, it really works out this kind of legal nuisance suit really works out well for the conspiracy theorists among us because if you if you are succeeding at it then you know you're the crusading uh you're the crusading investigators that kind of unturn the whole thing but if you don't succeed oh then it's corrupt the judge is corrupt obviously they're trying to protect carroll county right yes yeah so yeah that's who you're dealing with here and you'll also i'm sure you've noticed that i i said that the court found that these women did not have the right to file the suit and that by they also acted in bad faith by not providing their addresses. I did not even get to the allegation of the suit, which was that the Hatch Act was violent. Yeah, because I'm sure a lot of people right now could be going, well, you know, that's well, you know, that's all well and good. Maybe they didn't do it in the right way, but did their claims actually have ma- merit here? So <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> yes, this was subsequently investigated by the U.S. Office of Special Counsel. And because it's a serious allegation and serious allegations need to be taken seriously. So you may have noticed I said the Hatch Act is a federal act. So it only applies to federal government employees and Carroll County Sheriff's Department, what have you, are not federal employees. They're employed by the state. But the definition of federal employees is a broad one. Uh, The courts will define someone as a federal employee, even if you work for a state agency, if that state agency has, in that calendar year, taken money from the federal government. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, On October 20th, 2022, Erica S. Hamrick, the Deputy Chief of the Hatch Act Unit, of the U.S. Office of Special Counsel wrote a letter to candidate Tony Liggett about the allegations that he had violated the Hatch Act. And she wrote, According to information gathered during our investigation, the CCSO did not receive federal funding in 2022. Accordingly, OSC has concluded that you did not have duties in connection with federally funded activities. And thus, you were not subject to the provisions of the Hatch Act at the time of the alleged activities. OSC is therefore closing this matter without further action. So basically, these women sued Carroll County for violating a law that did not apply to Carroll County at all. That would be like if... uh, I'm driving on a highway at 65 miles an hour, 
and you try to give me a speeding ticket because there are other roads where the where the speed limit is 35. So this is why I say this was not really a well-thought-out lawsuit. Right, because a lawsuit could be unsuccessful but still have a point that's worth making or uh, perhaps maybe maybe they should have been, you know, ruled in the favor of of the plaintiff. But this is not one of those cases. This is a sloppy, slop job. As an attorney, I would only file a lawsuit if there was actually an underlying reason to file the suit. And a chance that you would actually have a point. And also if the person I'm representing has standing to file the suit. It's almost like it wasn't filed in good faith. Weird. And your note that the letter clearing uh, Mr. Liggett of Hatch Act violations came out last week, just a few days before this current lawsuit was filed. Uh, there is a, a Facebook group out there devoted to some of these conspiracy theories about Carroll County. Uh not long after that letter came out absolving Liggett of violating the Hatch Act because he, his agency did not receive funding in 2022, Ms. Sladowski triumphantly posted some documents proving that the agency did indeed receive federal funding, but they received it in 2021, which means go. it wasn't really relevant to the discussion at all. She cracked the case. <laughs> I've really, I'm sorry. I've, re- I've, when people are doing this and basically subjecting a county where two little girls were murdered to a nuisance lawsuit so that they can get on Facebook and crow about how they're uncovering some fake conspiracy that they made up in their heads, that disgusts me. And I think it should disgust anybody who cares about this case. And I'll note, despite Ms. Wright's uh, admonition, We have repeatedly tried to contact Mike Thomas, and we have been in communication with his uh, attorney. And if we're able to get a statement or anything from him, we're certainly share it with our audience. Yeah, I'd really love to talk to Mike Thomas. Uh, We definitely appreciated his candor when he kind of came out and talked to us during the sheriff's race. Uh, He was the only one of the candidates who did so, and I think we both really appreciated that at the time, that he was willing to say, you know, here's what I stand for. Um. Given the light of what's happened in this lawsuit, I think we have some pretty specific follow-up questions for him about why he decided to include a reference to the Delphi case in this workplace harassment suit, essentially, because it feels sort of like by um, by doing so, it seems to be kind of giving comfort to a certain realm of the internet that I don't know has been super helpful for this case, frankly, and I don't I don't really see how it ties into his claims about workplace harassment, which, from my reading the suit, seemed to mostly center around his decision to run for office, which, again, is his right. And no one should face workplace harassment and bullying for that. So that's if his allegations are true and that comes out, then that's horrible. But when it comes to, you know, he's he's kind of linking it in with the child homicide that everybody knows is the Delphi case, the murders of Libby and Abby. You know, I think we've seen some criticism that, you know, that's basically really politicizing the death of the two girls in a way that kind of feels bizarre. So we don't really know what to think about that, but it's it's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting time in the case. It really is. It always is. Something's always happening. But um, I I just 
I the case gets dragged into so much in terms of conjecture and conspiracy theories and whatnot. And every time that happens, the families have to deal with it and they have to be uh, bombarded with questions around it. And so I would say that, you know, if that's going to be, if if they're going to be dragged into this and, and, and have to be hearing all this, I would hope it would be for a good reason or for, you know, Things that are truly relevant to the case and not just a sideshow run amok. And before we go, I just want to make one final quick note. Earlier in the episode, we mentioned a exchange we had with Sue Wright on Facebook Messenger. And we indicated that she stopped replying to us. As we were editing this episode, she did make one more reply. So I'm going to now go back and reread the entire exchange so you can hear the full context. I wrote to Miss Wright. My name is Kevin Greenley. I co-host the Murder Sheep podcast. We are preparing an episode on the Thomas lawsuit. Mr. Liggett suggested it was linked to the suit you filed. Would it be possible for us to discuss that suit with you so our coverage will be complete? Miss Wright, of course, replied, no, and do not contact Mike Thomas. I wrote back, why not? A couple hours later, Miss Wright wrote back, Mr. Greenley, I am not a party, nor am I in any way connected to Mike Thomas's suit. I have nothing to say about it. Mr. Liggett's suggestion that you speak to us is enough reason to decline. I wrote back, Mr. Liggett publicly suggested that your earlier suit, the one that was dismissed with you being ordered to pay costs, was related to the Thomas suit. Would you care to comment on that? Some of your public comments seem to suggest you had foreknowledge of the Thomas suit, did you? We will be discussing your suit on the podcast and would welcome any comments from you pertaining to it. Are you an attorney yourself? If you're not connected with Mike Thomas, why did you instruct me not to contact him? And to those replies, uh, Ms. Wright has not replied, at least as at least as of this hour. Thanks so much for listening to The Murder Sheet. If you have a tip concerning one of the cases we cover, please email us at murdersheet at gmail.com. If you have actionable information about an unsolved crime, please report it to the appropriate authorities. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, that's available at www.patreon.com slash murder sheet. If you want to tip us a bit of money for records requests, you can do so at www.buymeacoffee.com slash murder sheet. We very much appreciate any support. Special thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenley, who composed the music for the murder sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. If you're looking to talk with other listeners about a case we've covered, you can join the murder sheet discussion group on Facebook. We mostly focus our time on research and reporting, so we're not on social media much. We do try to check our email account, but we ask for patience as we often receive a lot of messages. 
Thanks again for listening.